Okay, well, mindfulness emotions is one of my favorite topics. When I'm not doing this, I'm a, a psychiatrist and psychotherapist, so I, my, my whole life is spent thinking a lot about emotions. So it's really hard for me to decide what not to talk about. Um, but I do think this idea of, of thinking about emotions as weather can be really useful um, to, to, to bring mindfulness to that weather, the current moment's weather, I think can be very helpful. Um, emotions are often what bring people to mindfulness practice in the first place. Either they're too strong or they're not felt enough and people have some sense they want to really open to themselves. And so um, that's, that's, it can be a very important thing to allow uh, mindfulness of emotions to take a pretty center stage early on, but uh, it has to be done skillfully. So, you know, weather is a combination of things, right? So there's climates, predominant climates. There's weather that tends to be a certain way in certain, in certain places. And so to see one's, one's climate as a combination of temperament and biology and a lot of things and to, to begin to get to know that as a climate, but that it also is very changeable based on conditions, right? And so the conditions of life, whether that's a very temporary condition of a momentary thing or a long season, a season of grief can really change a, a climate for a period of time and to know I'm in a season of grief or a season of excitement about some upcoming thing to see, to be able to begin to know and become mindful of this is the climate and this is the season and this is the occasion. These are all really helpful supports for beginning to look and honor the realities of, of what, is, what is the current weather, right? So obviously there's so many challenges that get in the way of our doing this and just to speak to them you know, we, we know what they are, but we, we live in a culture that is um, not very supportive of this, uh, that's not been very helpful. And a lot of people's families, family cultures, have also not been very helpful in helping people to maintain a moment-by-moment -moment mindful relationship to their emotions. Um, I was listening to a great podcast recently with John Prendergast, a, a non-dual teacher who I hadn't heard this phrase before, but he said, we, we, this, the dominant culture in our culture is a post-alcoholic culture. Has anybody else heard this phrase? That, that whether there's current alcoholism or substance abuse, that the Northern European culture's way of dealing with its emotional experience was predominantly through the use of alcohol. And that even though we live here in, in, a, in, a, in a melting pot of many cultures, that that he just was really interesting on this idea of that kind of squelching of emotion and numbing from emotion and then reactive over emotion that is part of that. I think is it's just a really was just blew me open as like, oh that's that's kind of seeped in in this huge way, right? And so um, and how that supports sort of capitalism. It's just good for people to not spend a lot of time connected and then, they can have these brief eruptions, but you know. Um, so 
to see that, and especially the, the, the culture for predominantly male identified people not to be sad or frightened, and for female identified people not to be angry. And uh, there was that incredible moment in Little Women when, uh, I don't know how many of you saw it, when Marmy was like, I'm angry all the time, every day. But you would never guess that, like the squelching of anger and the squelching of sadness and fear for, for, for men. Um, and that numbing through either alcohol or now in our culture through devices and busyness that there's so many things that keep us um, from having this. Um, and also I think particularly speaking to, to the parenting experience, there's so much time and energy spent being attuned to our children's emotional experiences that is essential for good parenting that it, it can feel like if I have to choose, I'm going to track their emotions and not mine, and, and then figuring out when to find the time or the space to, to turn that attention back. Um, sometimes it's just life is too full. Uh, so, so all those things get in the way. But just like if you ignore the weather and you go outside and, you know, it's not comfortable, <laughs> you're not dressed right, um, it, there's real costs to our not having the mindfulness of our emotional experience. And a lot of that has to do with them, you know, then rearing their head and are reacting too strongly later because things have built, or experiencing pain in our bodies and all sorts of other consequences from separating from our emotions, or just missing our lives. You know, this is our one and only wild life, and if we don't get to feel it, we've missed a lot of it. And also, I don't think you can, a lot of times people become aware that the more we squelch the negative emotions, the more we turn things down and we don't feel the joy when it's present. So, so meditation is a really wonderful tool. I think it's really the best tool for reconnecting us to that um, experience. So how do we do it? Well, in meditation, like I led us today, the, the, the rain... Uh, acronym, recognize what we're feeling. And that's no easy thing for a lot of us. A lot of, again, because of all those things I said, it may be that it takes a lot of practice to sort of re-wake up that fallen asleep part of us. So really allowing uh, time to recognize. And especially because the subtler emotions, just a little bit of this or that, is gets harder and harder to to tune into, and, and so tuning in, oh, there's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, rather than waiting for the big grief, the big rage, um, that we can do that. And then accepting, this is just what this is, investigating what it's like, again, not the story of then she did, and I can't believe she also, and then, oh my God, how could she have, and but the, oh, this just feels like, oh, where, what, what is that like? And then, the N, which used to be non-identify, like it's, this is just a universal experience, but then I think Tara Brock mostly, but other people changed it to nurture. Really just take care of that. Really just hold that as, as you can to say, yeah, this is, this is hard. And sometimes that means nurturing it by, like I did in the meditations, pendulating away from it. It's just too strong. I need to move, away, move my attention away, or I may just need to get up and go for a run in the woods or go chop up a whole bunch of carrots because I'm just really got a lot too much feeling. 
and I got to take care of it by moving away from it. So and acceptance, I just also want to say, accept doesn't mean accepting the conditions that, uh, that cause that to arise. If what emotion is about a situation that requires action to change or requires uh, relational work to be done to make repair, the accept does not mean, oh, just accept that's how it's going to be. It's like accept that's what this is experience is right now, but then preferably not while you're meditating afterwards to make an action plan to say, no, I really am going to talk to that coworker. That was not okay. I'm going to really have to set my boundary better with this family member. I am really allowing myself to have that boundary be crossed and I'm going to actually need to do something about it. And so, you know, the other, the other side that I'll say that's, um, that's the, the positive version of rain that um, it's not Rick Hansen. It's the other guy. I'll get back to who it is. Heal. Did we already talk about heal last time? So heal is about positive emotions and I think it's um, we often assume when we're going to talk about emotions that they're the negative ones but I think cultivating more and more awareness of gratitude and happiness even the very very simple and smallest joys um, there's so much new exciting research about this. So the HEAL acronym is sort of the, I mean you can do RAIN with positive emotions and that's, that's I do that too. But HEAL is so have an emotion or an experience, right, so we have it. And then the E of HEAL is enhance it. If it's a positive one, really let that suffuse through you, right? And if it's an experience in life, like gratitude journaling is a big thing and that's shown in a lot of research studies to do amazing things. Just appreciations in couples and in families, like so that if you, all those are enhancements, right? So if you're happy because your kid did something you asked them to do and you enhance it by really thanking them or making a little sticker chart or a award system for saying, we're so happy you unloaded the dishwasher, you know. Um, and then allow, so allow it to be true. This good thing actually happened. I'm actually having this good feeling. Like I'm allowing that even in this, particularly in a difficult time, I'm allowing that I'm actually having this gratitude. Then the L of that is then you can link that when another negative emotion happens, right? When you're feeling really like, I am not a good parent, I am not able to get this kid to do, but wait, what am I going to link to that? Oh, there was that time they unloaded the dishwasher and I was really happy and then we were so grateful. And so, so it can minimize that all or nothing thinking we have. You never listened to it. Oh, wait, last week you really listened when I came home from work and heard all about my thing and I felt gratitude. So if we have the, the, the H's and we do the H-E-A, then we can carry them around with us and link them to a tough time. And uh, that seems to really shorten those long perseverations or being stuck in a, in a bad emotion. Um, you know, sometimes with emotions, once we start linking to them in, mi in mindfulness and there's patterns of them and there's clear seasons where they are really either too strongly felt, then and, and that's a time that often people move into therapy or other ways of taking care of themselves to really inquire what are the patterns of the climate that might need to be addressed. And some people's biology around emotions, it just isn't, it just isn't 
going to do so well without a lot of support. And it could be pharmacological support or just therapy support. It could be all sorts of things that are just needed to support that biology. But a lot of it is, it, or to be have inquiry about, a, about where this condition pattern came from. If you never learned how to set boundaries, you might need to learn and, and be helped with seeing that. And some of it is just validating that life has got a lot of emotions in it. And we can't expect that not to be the case. And a, a lot of times, there's a lot written. I work a lot with undergraduates and, and high school age people. And a lot of times, people just don't know, well, that is going to feel bad because that's stressful. Like, that's just how that is, that part. That's not a good part. You, you shouldn't feel good, right? And so, um, you know, that's something that as parents, you know, we practice a lot. Like, no, this, this isn't a good part, but we still have to get through it. And um, so, you know, people come into me, I'm, I'm depressed. And it's like, no, that's grief. That's not depression. Sometimes people can be both, but a lot of times people assume this is a pathology. It's like, no, this is an experience of being a human. And so that doesn't, you don't have to hold that harshly. It's like, oh, and you need a lot of company and support. <laughs> Um, reminds me of a friend of mine who was a psychiatrist who, when she lost her husband young, and she was like, I don't need to go to therapy. What are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to keep you company. And, we're, and, and she's like, oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> and she'd been raised in our, like, you know, the treatment plan. And she's like, there's no treatment plan for this. And he's like, yeah, it's me keeping you really good company. <laughs> so that non-pathologizing of keeping ourselves company. Oh, this is a moment of whatever. This happened, of course. <coughs> and so, you know, the, you know, bringing it back to parenting, you know, we have such an opportunity in parenting because we're providing the attunement for our children. It can be a wonderful way to begin to turn what we do with them, right? And so children, you know, they they're such models, especially early on. They feel their emotions in their bodies so much more strongly. We could, they release them, you know, the, that, you know, kicking the car seat from the car seat. It's like they have to release them from their bodies. And so we can look at that, and it's difficult, but it's also such a lesson. And the way we provide the narration for their, oh, this is a moment that you're frustrated. This is a moment that you're sad. This is a moment that you're whatever. Where are you feeling that? The more we can do that with them, Sometimes that brings up for us, if we had, didn't get some of that, sometimes we can be kind of jealous of them or angry. You're getting such so much more attunement. But if we can be that way with them, we can then turn that onto, onto us. And I think the more we can be mindful with them in a way that's um, sharing with them, not asking them to parent us, not asking them to take care of us, but letting them see how an adult does that, um, which often we think in parenting, we're supposed to not have that be part of the conversation. But we can't, so to say, you know, that plan you're having is making me really anxious. So it's not a, we have to figure out how to take care of that. We have to figure out whether that's a safe party for you to go to or not. But we also have to figure out how we're gonna take care of my anxiety because it's really making me very anxious to think about you in that set of situations. And that's a legitimate part of our conversation. We're not, I don't have to come at you with, you're not, it's like, we have to take care of that. Or I've had a really hard day and we have to figure out how to take care of my 
exhaustion or my frustration or my need to take care of myself. And you don't have to take care of me, but you have to know that I'm taking care of myself and my feelings. And as a grown-up, this is my idea of how I'm going to do it. I think that kind of modeling is not often something that we think of as something we're allowed to do as parents, but um, I think it's, it can be a very beautiful part of parenting. So those are some thoughts about emotions. We could go on, but so let's stop there.